to know Christ Jesus, what greater gift could there be? The only greater gift is to not only know him, but to love him. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Every Knee Shall Bow, your seasonal Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined by Dave the Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? I'm good, man. I'm I'm happy to be back with you. This is uh, I've, I've missed talking with you for sure. Have you though? Have you like the sun no, is I shining have. brighter? Until well, I mean, today. I haven't like I haven't like you. thought about it all that often, <laughs> but like I mean, I am just busy all the time. But mm. but mm. other than that, I yeah now. Let's uh, let's update the fine folks in your life. You are living in a, I believe, a palace made of gold. Uh, from <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, the funniest thing is, every time I talk to you, you're always sitting in the same place. But beforehand, like with the recording, and I always see the same thing. But every time we talk, it's like, well, got a gym in the uh, in the backyard, in the backyard? shed. And then it's like, well, now put like books everywhere for throughout yeah. my house. And it's like all these like major changes, but I never see them. I just see the same. My house does look like a library right now. We've put up. Yeah. It, it, it definitely got to the point where the kids were like, dad, I think it's going to look weird if you put any more shelves up. But um, <laughs> I knew I knew someone that had shelves every every inch that was available in yeah. all the and they were all built ins. And it oh, looked wow, terrible. that's impressive. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. And it was, it was, it looked terrible. Absolutely terrible. Oh, did but it? But I still oh, loved wow. it. Yeah. I think yeah. ours looks cool. Like, but at the same time, it there comes a maybe. point where you just, you just need to pay for an edition and turn it into an honest to goodness library. Library. Like, just have the library. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So things are, are just, you know, obviously crazy right now and, mm. um, hard and, but fruitful and, you know, yeah. we're kind of getting back to normal, normal life here, which is <clears throat> for the kids kind of a new normal, you know, um, yeah. somebody, somebody made a comment about, uh, how they came over and they, they said like something about like how the kids don't seem sad and it was almost kind of like aggressive, but yeah, like I kind of took offensive offense to it and they were talking about like, you know, well, like, shouldn't they be like going to counseling or something like that? And I was like, just saying to them, like, you know, like my kids have had like their mom, like seriously suffering for f- three and a half years yeah. in the room down the hall. They've not had friends over. They haven't been able to do the stuff that normal kids do. And it's like, all of a sudden they're kind of like experiencing normal life and they're relieved that their mom's not suffering anymore. And it's like, yeah. I- I'm I'm okay with that. Like, I think that's great. You know, that they yeah. don't, they don't feel sadness 24 hours a day. They do feel it, but uh, you know, it's not, yeah, not like, constant, obviously. It, it is interesting to me when my friend lost his wife and he got married pretty quickly afterwards, um, maybe a year uh-huh. later. And all these people were so mad at him and refused to go to the wedding. And the phrase that they said was, you know, shouldn't he still be grieving if he really loved her? Yeah, and that's to rough, what, man. And to what, uh, he said to me when, cause I, you know, I didn't hear people say that, but he did. He said to me, he's like, well, you don't understand is my wife was dying for two years at home. Right. We did our grieving together. Yeah. And he's right. like, and it's not like I don't grieve her or miss her or anything like that. He's like, but 
we've we went through what you're going through you know the month before the funeral and after the funeral right we have been doing that for 24 months so yeah. you know don't try to put me on your timetable yeah, yeah. people just i mean it's the that. it's for sure the the worst like if you know it's whatever i expected it would be like it's a thousand times worse you know but mm. but what i would say is that like you know we maybe we're not super happy right now but we're joyful right i mean the spirit's here and uh, the fruits of the spirit are here and abundant and it's definitely like i this is uh, like the first time in my life where like i've accepted christian community you know like <laughs> like not begrudgingly <laughs> yeah you know i mean you know like when we were at franciscan like i think one of the main reasons i didn't like join household is because I was intimidated by the community, by how intentional the community was, you know, and this kind of pushed me into that. And that's new for us, like, because, you know, I was normally kind of a hermit uh, as far as like, you know, not not wanting like a lot of contact with people and stuff like that. But that it, we are the complete opposite right now. And it's fun to see how the kids have like opened up to it and love it and you know, I'm just so appreciative, particularly to this audience, like for all the prayers and cards that we received. And I'm, I really just can't thank Ascension Press enough for being so understanding about uh, the last, I mean, three years, you know, of the podcast yeah. and being so easy to work with and everything. So, yeah, as we kind of heal here and move forward, um, I hope I hope we can I, I'm excited to try to continue this, you know, and have a, an outlet with our with our guests and things like that and hang out with so, Elmer. Yeah, thank you for including that somewhere in there. So you're you're coming back to the show. You're going to make it happen. Well, the fans I mean, I, mean, I want... haven't talked to Ascension, but I hope so. Oh, of It course. doesn't seem like the fans want it. Um, excuse uh, me, I saw all the emails. They're <laughs> like this is the best season ever. And I was like, "Oh, thanks guys." Hey kids, I'm not going to be crying in my room, even though it's going to sound like that down the hall. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, uh, the 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 amount of work that it takes to put one episode yeah, when you're right. solo, and it's so funny. Like as I listen to myself, I try my best not to make it sound like I'm reading, but I definitely had to have like a full four page outline and all this stuff. Yeah. And as I'm going through this and I would listen to the show after they mastered and I'm like, golly, I still sound like I'm just reading. reading like it's something. not like, but you know, when we were doing it, one of us would come up with a topic. Right. Then the other, and you would tell the other person two and a half seconds before we pushed record and then we would go, <laughs> Oh, the witty banter, how I've missed it. Well, we did prepare for topics that we weren't like ready yeah. for, you know, like, Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Maybe 30 minutes of reading. Hey, I found a blog post. <laughs> Thanks, Marcel Lejeune. <laughs> well, yeah, so the, I guess the point is, like, we—I feel like we're all—we live lives of, of consumption of, you know, of content, and so then we just decide which one we can talk about. Yeah, I'm trying exactly. to save this from being, you know, like that we just wing it here. So. <laughs> no, we do hours of research. It's our life. <laughs> it's our life. That's the research. So, uh, what are what are you up to now? You know, you, the last uh -huh. our audience heard for the most part was you got let go from your parish job in like yeah. November and then right. it was, things kind of went downhill from there. Right. Yeah. So what happened after that? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I think you probably updated everyone when Amber was in the hospital 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when the first day that Amber was in the hospital, they, um, they saw that she was not going to be able to leave. Um, so they, they let us know then. And so we knew that, you know, time was short. And so, um, you know, we just kind of shifted our life to try to spend as much time with her as possible. And they, uh, you know, God has different plans, right? So like they thought it would be days when we first got there. And it ended up being like, you know, months, like, um, well, over a month. Right. And, um, mm. and not only that, but they also said like, well, she'll just start to sleep more and more, you know, and that did not happen at all. Like in, in any way, like it was, uh, we got her, you know, on uh, the Tuesday night before Amber passed away, she was, we were all sitting there eating dinner, laughing, you know, she was pulling the baby up onto her and everything like or the baby, she's six now, but our baby, <laughs> up onto her you know so like um i'm really thankful for that you know um when when amber passed away it was a like a a very weird thing like i don't know if it was biological or if it was grace or what but like it was like the second the doctor said that she had passed away it was like all adrenaline or whatever i was running on was just like gone completely (laughs) like it was the strangest thing like i was just like exhausted i don't know if it was like the last three years i had just been running on adrenaline you know yeah. so so that was hard so i kind of like fatigue yeah yeah real thing. I, and i was kind of like thinking like this is a new feeling for me like i've never really had this where i hit the wall like emotionally mentally physically so um i was like you know what and and, and I, I don't know if you remember but i had accepted a job with a with a large nonprofit that was starting up and I actually just emailed them and said, you know, I, I just, I'm not in the place to be able to do this. Like I just mentally cannot do it. And in a lot of ways, I still feel like, like I am not mentally like, I, like I have some mental health issues. I feel like from the last four years, you know, I feel like I've been yeah. living kind of in a concentration camp. And, um, and so I, you know, turned that down and, um, I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to think, I think I'm going to take six months to a year off that's kind of the plan right now is to kind of reevaluate three months from now um, and see where I'm at and see if, you know, I want to go back to, you know, to work or, or not. But um, in the meantime, I'm, you know, kind of working on some of my personal stuff and, uh, you know, personal apostolates and things like that. And, uh, and so I've I've been busy and I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to write something right now. uh, And I'm actually trying to, How's the, you know, what does the writing process look like yeah. for you? <laughs> oh, Gomer. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, like my speaking process. I think I've told you this before. Okay. So I can't use notes. Like I'm not, I'm really bad at notes. I'm not, a, I'm not a polished speaker anyways, ever, but I'm really, really bad to use when I use notes. Okay. Mm. So what I do is I read everything I can. I consume as much as I can on the topic, I, I, I take a lot of notes, you know, I write down cause that's how my brain processes things and I pray a lot. And then I hope when I show up that day, something good comes out. Right. <laughs> that doesn't really work with writing. Right. So <laughs> the problem is like, um, like with a talk, I can consume as much as I can up to the moment of like maybe even 10 minutes yeah. before a talk, I could be yeah. reading a book, you know, on, on the Eucharist or something like that. Right. Thank God for this Kindle device in my pocket. Yeah. Right. Something <laughs> like, like that. Right. But with writing, it's like, well, eventually you have to say, 
I have enough or I have, yeah. I have what I need and I need to go yeah. write down and sit down and write. And that's hard for me to like, mm-hmm. be like, no, there's other opinions out there. There's other things. There's other thoughts, you know, that I can you know, do. So, so that's hard, but um, I'm excited about it. And I don't even know, like, I, you know, there's some publishers that I've talked with and, you know, are ready, ready to kind of take it. I don't even know if that's like, I, I don't know. We'll see. I just really right now, I just want to get this one topic out of me because it's kind of bothering me. Mm-hmm. So you feel a little like the prophet Isaiah who's like, if I would not speak, <laughs> these words would burn within me. I would, tra- I would scream and travail like a mother with a baby. I, I, in the I guess, I guess, I guess I feel that way. Yes. I guess you can call <laughs> me Isaiah if you want. I will. And I do often to my family and friends and when I'm entertaining them at potlucks, <laughs> it, is, it is funny because for me, um, so I'm in the middle of, or I'm near the end, which is sad of my mini retirement. So I quit working at the parish on May 8th. I did two more classes, evening sessions, and then one rite of reception for my group of people who are Protestant becoming Catholic. And, uh, it was just amazing and weird dealing with all of this stuff trying to well experiencing parish life as a volunteer and not as an employee right like the right of reception i walk in and i'm like well when should i show up i can't get there too early i don't have an office to go to i can't run copies i can't do all the things (laughs) i used to do i'd show up two hours before mass i do all the things you know there's nothing there's nothing for me to do except show up and greet everyone and tell them i'm praying for them and then you know remind them of what to do and do a little mini rehearsal in the pew and that's it. And uh, it was such a bizarre experience because you feel like that phrase dead man walking, right? Like you don't belong here, but you still kind of belong here, you know? Right. Uh, I'm a zombie employee and it was just weird. And that's totally normal. Like it's, you know, they, they, it's not like I'm like, they should have made me feel more welcoming or, you know, I'm not saying that it's just weird. And then when it took a solid week for me to kind of decompress from that, yeah. and um and all the constant you know forms and this and that and uh, the funniest thing happened that really took my mind off it was my daughter's play at their little once a week homeschooler co-op thing they were putting on shakespeare's much ado about nothing cool and uh at, at the church i go to we do a shakespeare festival now it's like they did shakespeare play last year and now they turn at it the into ordinary a festival. church yeah yeah presentation, that's awesome yeah that's yeah, awesome. so it started with um, the high schoolers and middle schoolers putting on Macbeth last year. And then this year they put on Twelfth Night. And the middle schoolers put on Much Ado About Nothing. And the elementary students put on an elementary version of uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. And oh, my that's kids, my favorite. That's yeah, my favorite so three of my four kids were in it. And the <sighs> middle schoolers was like, the play was falling apart because kids had memorized lines and we're a week and a half away and tech week is the following week. So I was like, well, you know, I just retired here. Uh, I have some time. So I just thought I would help them with some lines and yeah. then uh, being there and listening and watching them go through, I like fell in love with the play yeah. and, uh, and now I'm a narrator <laughs> and like all these things are building and I'm there eight hours a day. <laughs> I feel like you like are the kind of person who would like bring your own director's chair and like a scarf like the you wear inside day, the lady, like, people, the other on. mom, the other mom that just showed up to help out. 
She's it's the next day she came and she goes, I brought you a director chair. And she opened the folding <laughs> chair. Oh, uh, but awesome. the day of the play, I was actually in the play as the narrator. And then they asked me to do the same thing for the elementary school kids, which I had never narrated before. So I did that in front of all these people. I just sat in a folding chair with my yeah. script reading through everything. It was funny. But that that was like, oh, this is what you can do when you work remotely and your job yeah. is, you know, it's a totally different thing. So yeah 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 i i don't know you know like um i'm kind of excited like i don't know what i'll go back into you know what i mean yeah. like as far as like when i have to go back to work i i just don't know like i yeah i would love to i don't know maybe teach some classes or something like that i'd love to do something like that'd that. that'd be so. awesome if you're like i just want to paint i just want to paint <laughs> i'm a painter a painter's got to paint um i'll tell you something uh something that came to mind about ministry Two mm-hmm. things. There are two realizations, okay, that I came to, that came to have come to mind over the last, let's say, five months. Okay, it's been three months since Amber passed away, so let's say five months. First is this: you know, m- the majority of my emails are like asking questions about demons and stuff like that. The people that people ask me, right, which is normal. But when I was in the hospital, I had six hundred unanswered emails when I was with her, and when I went through them, half of those. About half of those emails were people who, like adult family members, were away from the Lord, and these people were just desperate to like evangelize them, you know. Mm. And that broke my heart. I mean, it was—I don't know—I don't know if it was a grace or what, but for for whatever reason, reading these emails for the first time, and, and maybe it was just because I was reading them over, you know, in a row, as opposed to oh, like yeah. normally reading yeah. them throughout the week. It was just like, man, we have to do something about that, you know, and I kind of started scheming some ideas, which I've, I've talked to you a little bit about, you know, about helping people evangelize adult family members. The second thing is this, you know, apostolate relationships or ministry relationships or whatever you want to say, I, you know, I don't, I, I'm not, I've never been crazy about the word discipling, but I'll just say it like discipling relationships, right? We forget how real they are. I think sometimes, right? Especially when you work like when you're paid, okay? And I just had no idea, like because of my life was so chaotic when Amber was so sick, like a lot of those relationships like fell to the wayside. And it was like immediately when people felt like it was okay for them to contact me, so many of them were like, um, you know, can we pick up right where we left off? You know, and it was like almost like a desperation, like, are we ready to go back? Whether it was like somebody who's struggling with an addiction, or maybe like a you know an an exorcism case that I was walking with, or or just people that you know I was like trying to introduce to Jesus, you know, and it was the kind of thing where it was just shocking to me, like how that relationship. It's not that I didn't value it that way. It's just I don't. I never. I never think that I'm helping anyone, right? So it's like, so it's like it was like. To, yeah. to see them kind of flood back. And then, and then more interestingly, which is something you'll be surprised about, I think. This will be a, a, a new insight for you. Mm. Is how many people that I had a role in like calling them to discipleship have surrounded me now during this really difficult time yeah. and are in a sense like discipling me a little bit. Yeah. And that's really awesome. Like it's been a really cool thing to kind of witness and see and you know. Yeah. So, 
It'd be funny if they're sitting there like, well, Dave, have you ever heard of a book in the Bible called Job? Job. <laughs> yeah, like, right. What? Yes, of course oh, I've heard it. <laughs> well, let me tell you about old. I think it's Job. It's a German yeah. name. Yeah. Now it I is. It like- is amazing. Like, do you think of Second Timothy two two? Right. Second Timothy two two. Like, raise up men. Yeah. You know, basically, Saint Paul saying, "As I discipled you, you disciple men who can then go on and teach other men." And that notion of like four generations deep of building disciples, making disciples is the realization that we're not building disciples as like, as like a, a scorecard. We're building right. the, the body. And right. sometimes right. the hand or the mouth, in, in the case of me, uh, can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. And sometimes the mouth, uh, when rendered mute because of life, all we can do is receive the help of the hands and feet of Christ, you know, and uh, have these people serve us in a way that is different, but uniquely uniquely powerful right than how we serve them and uh you know i just think of that phrase how you know saint thomas was not bound by aristotle uh he wrote in Uh, one of his prayers lord grant me the liberality to give to those who are in need yeah and the humility to ask of others when i am in need and aristotle never would have said to ask for others when i am in need right never in a million years would have said that right and so when you think about that, like, yeah, this is the body of Christ. We're not just building up these things called disciples so we can have a bigger army than the world or the devil or whatever. We are building up brothers and sisters in Christ right. and the family. Yeah. 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 And it's, yeah, it's been, a. I mean, it's, it's, this is the hardest thing ever, right? Like I never yep. knew how hard this could possibly be, but it's also just like the fruit of, prayer and the fruit of just you know desperation relying on god is everywhere so i'm yeah. i'm thankful for that right yeah 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 imagine going through what you went through without a community without support without gomer priests I think and about, nuns and i think yeah. about that every day in fact three different people who came to amber's funeral for whatever reason i mean i'm sure there was lots leading up to this but they were so touched by the funeral that they decided to become catholic wow and like reached out to us and reach out to me and, you know, and, and it was hard. It was very hard for me because I was like, yeah, I wish that I wish that I could promise you that your experience with the church is going to be like mine. Like, I really do wish that, yeah. you know, when Amber, when Amber died, she was like, it was about 1230 PM. And by 5 PM, I was on my deck and there were four priests there, you know, <laughs> like, you know, one of them came from, you know, out of state even, you know, it was just like that kind of thing. There were nuns everywhere, <laughs> you know, for the last three months, my life has been filled with nuns and collars. And at her funeral, there were lots of priests and our, our wonderful auxiliary bishop, Walt Scheid, was there. And, and we've been so blessed by the clergy. And I just, I wish so badly that everyone had that relationship. Like we, yeah. like I, it, that's, it's not lost on me that, not everyone. And, and especially even like with the fundraising, like, you know, like Amber was alive for two more years than she should have been because of the money that people raised for us. And, and we were able to do those treatments that were not covered by insurance, you know, like, and it was hard because I, you know, I, I, people would email me and they were in the same situation we were in, but they did not have the community that I had, you know, and like, that's something that I will forever be humbled by. And, and, and very convicted 
about like we have to build this we have to build this now like this has to be the way it is for everybody you know yeah oh absolutely absolutely and along those notes of discipleship one of the things that um we were talking about before we push record is how the lord sends our way people that we don't expect or anticipate in order to accompany them as disciples and i think it's so funny because for me in my life i'm now joining a men's ministry right i'm going to join that man as you we we've, yeah. we've done a couple episodes on men's ministries and we both start out by being like we are so uncomfortable talking about this cuz we feel like we have nothing meaningful to say on the topic and yet maybe perhaps that's why the lord is sending us in there but the the people that i've been working with lately are people who have been seriously damaged by the men in their lives right like yeah, seriously right. you know and the level of compassion and awareness and knowledge that it gives when you sit down with someone and you know you're talking about you know the sacrament of holy matrimony but they can read it through the lens of the hurt that they've received and the wounds that they've received even even in the midst of their own personal profound faithfulness like i'm staying close to christ but please explain to me what the marital debt is and how that's not tyrannical and all this and it's like you know spiritual headship what does that look like when it goes wrong and you think about these things and it's like never in a million years did I think someone of this, this, this type of person would be coming to me seeking help or seeking right. answers or just seeking, right. you know, an, an older brother who can model what it means to be a halfway decent human being and Christian because every other older brother has been atrocious, you know? Yeah. Has hurt them. Yeah. yeah. I loved kind of the way our producer Mariah phrased it. Like, you don't get to choose who you disciple. Yeah. And I I think that's so often true and and oftentimes can be indicative of bad ministry when you're like, this does seem like you're choosing who you disciple, right? Like if they all look like uh-huh. you, they all talk like you, stuff like that. Yeah. And that was a big was, thing in the in, in the evangelical youth ministry world when youth ministry started getting super like wealthy, like well funded. Oh, really? Yeah, one of the comments was, why is it only the prettiest girls and handsomest boys in youth group find their way to your promotional material? Oh, that's know, And I remember reading that and then being like, oh, wow, that is, I see that everywhere, right? You only put the pretty people out there. Yeah, and it's funny, like, um, I I was mentioning to you before the show that, like, it's been just kind of like a cultural collision on my deck lately as we've opened up more. (laughs) to kind of make the house a hub for evangelization just like people from all different walks of life you know the addicted the confused the you know whatever i mean just as far as extremes as they get meeting with priests who are stopping by to check on us to make sure we're okay uh it's beautiful you know but i like when i think back about like all the different kinds of people that we've worked with you gomer at your parish me at my parishes you know stuff like that it's like it is the mystery of like meeting people where you're at and doing what you have to do to try to bring them closer to jesus right like you're not like gonna meet someone and they're gonna say like well this is the problem in my life and you're gonna be like hmm not my bag i better not I better yeah. not touch you, right? Like that's not the way it's going to work. Now, yeah. of course, maybe you bring in experts, maybe you, you you guide them to someone who can help them more, but you don't you don't get to choose, right? Like God draws people and you just you're there. Like you have to you have to respond. Yeah. 
Yeah, and this is this again goes back to the thing that we were saying earlier. You don't get to choose your family, right? No. You don't get to choose right. your supernatural family, right? And the, and it's the beautiful thing that oftentimes the people that that we encounter are the people who are the least like us <laughs> because yeah. and because we might have within our personalities, you know, a piece that they're missing from theirs and uh the Lord wants to grace that connection, you know. Well, and, uh, I think yeah, I think for you and I, the one thing that's good is that what we do have in common is brokenness, right? Like, at least we can share that. Maybe it's not the same piece that's broken, but. <laughs> but there's something definitely, there's, it's like a rattling. Yeah, there's something it's like a rattling around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Some sort of transmission fluid did not get changed, and it's just, it's just gears grinding now. It's very yeah. sad. It's very sad. Okay, let me bring yeah. up another soapbox to you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, let's yeah. hear it. So uh, I had read that St. Therese of Lisieux loved the, 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 there's a, I don't remember what, it's called a commentary on the divine office, I think, by Dom Prosper Granger. Oh, I love him. He's awesome. So awesome. Okay. So she said that it was one of the greatest graces of her life. and, And it was reported that she had the entire Advent book memorized, like that she had poured into it. And they're not, they're not small, right? The book, I mean. They're really is this not the 13 I mean, book series yeah. of, on the liturgical yeah. calendar yeah. that is now 90% irrelevant. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> well, no, not really. I mean, no, you mean irrelevant uh, to the calendar. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Cause it was written in the 1870s or something like that. Right. Yeah. So basically when I read about this book, this series of books, right? This uh, collection, like a lot of Catholic families had this. If you were like an upper middle yeah. class family, a lot of Catholic families had this in their house. Okay. So I started doing it. I started like following along with the church seasons, doing the best I could, you know, trying to translate it to the new calendar and everything. Okay. Gomer, man, we, it is hardcore theology. Like it, yeah. like I now understand when you read homilies of St. John Vianney, St. John Chrysostom, people like that people could understand that because they had a higher theological knowledge and I'm not if saying they were like, of the we, educated class. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. And I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't like the Therese was, um, it wasn't like the Martins were super rich. Right. I mean, they were just like upper middle class. Okay. So I guess my point is like, wow, there, there's something about this, like, like teaching theology through the seasons of the church that is less utilitarian than just a program. Right. Yeah, and you know, and I love the programs because they're more accessible, right? And they they yeah. dive into something so quick. But I'm talking like hardcore Christology in this thing that little Therese would have been memorizing, you know, <laughs> and how fruitful it, it has been just in the last. I've been doing so. It's like I'm at I'm in like a month and a half now of doing it every day, and how fruitful it's been, and it's kind of like reignited my thought of like. We got to figure out ways. Yeah, we have to reach out people to where they where they are, right? We have to reach people where they are. But we got to figure out ways to educate them in theology a little bit, right? Because yeah. we're missing the full face of Christ, I would say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, honestly, I can think of no better person than Frank Sheed to talk Good, about yeah, this right. specifically. Exactly. And uh, I, I know you didn't listen to the series that I did by myself. It's fine. You don't have to. Uh, Comer. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I mean, it's just out there is 35 perfect minutes a week. Um, <laughs> it's the platonic form of podcast. Trust me, I saw the emails. <laughs> no, but the, uh, well, that was a weird laugh that I just did. <laughs> um, but Frank Sheed and a lot of his books were, uh, especially um, What Difference Does Jesus Make and To Know Christ Jesus, were the big drivers of a lot of the content. And so I have purchased maybe five more Sheed books. And I'm going back through, the, I'm going to do theology for beginners first, and then theology and sanity, and then I'm going to kind of go from there. But his great like anthem is like, listen, you're lay people. You need to know your faith. You need to right. be able to articulate it, speak it, so that you can pray it and live it. And then on top of that, he's, you need to know the gospel. Right. You need to know the gospel by reading the gospels every single day. And right. then go on to read the rest of the New Testament, and then go on to read the rest of the Old Testament, and then do that until you're dead. Right. Like yeah. that's what we need to do. And because we aren't doing it, friendship with Christ is impossible. Like you yeah. can't love someone that you do not know. No. And he right. calls it the dimming of Christ. He has a whole book on it. Yeah. Uh, the eclipse yeah. of Christ. And yeah. th this is the reality. Like our priests are told all the time. Don't give theological homilies. Right. Right. D you know, you don't, you're going to go over their head. I was told all the time as a youth minister, you're going to go over their head. And then you have Bishop Barron, who I think is exactly kind of the, his big thing that he says is, you know, they got my, my, my niece has a stack of books on her kitchen table for school, you know, the works of William Shakespeare, this and that and he goes, and then their religion book was like a coloring book. Yeah. I remember this episode. I remember when he said that. Yeah. I mean, it's despicable. And so in, in doing the Shakespeare class, uh, <laughs> or the play, um, I of course consumed a lot of podcasts on Shakespeare, especially on much ado about nothing, which I absolutely love that play. I don't know if I said that yet, but um, he uh, they were talking about that Shakespeare was a penny matinee on Saturday afternoon. Right. At his right. Time, it was, right? It was and, the most uneducated people who would stand in the middle. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, well, how did what, how is it that like today people are like, oh, get all that highfalutin artistic stuff. Yeah. And where then and they said, well, there was a couple things. One was the elevated language of the liturgy that was a part of their everyday life. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. And, and their prayer and all that forms, especially, you know, the Anglican book of common prayer was written in a very, you know, higher language. Um, and the King James Bible maintains that liturgical language. So they, they were formed in it. Right. And now, yeah. and th this was the interesting comment that they made. Aristocracy preserves language. Ooh. Aristocracy preserves language. And in America, cause then the, then it. the mercantile class imitates the aristocracy cause they're right. new money. Right. And they want to imitate, they want to act like the aristocracy in a lot of ways. And then, uh, and so they imitate the language. And so, and they were the educated classes, you know, they were expected to be educated. So you have this whole multiple layers of society where every, like, I, I can remember reading Westerns um, or stories of like, uh, you know, settling out the West in America. And everyone had the works of Shakespeare and the yeah. King James Bible. Even if they couldn't read, everyone owned those two things. Right. Well, remember with de Tocqueville, when he came to America, that was the number one thing he commented on was how, how highly educated they were. He couldn't believe yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And, and you contrast that with a peasantry class in France who, you know, right. were thus the whims of, of propagandists. And I feel like there's this element where, because we've allowed pop culture, that's where the money is. The money is in the mass, the mass entertainment, the mass media that they necessarily will degrade the language. So you listening to us, you have to take it on yourself to be well read, but I don't like reading. Okay. Then get audiobooks. but you have to know this stuff. You really yeah. do. 
And yeah. my wife, who has a master's degree in catechetics and an undergraduate degree in catechetics and theology, she every has not missed a day of Father Mike's catechism in a year. Oh, cool. She sits with she stole my catechism from me, so I don't know if she got to the Ten Commandments yet, but uh she has my little ascended press catechism and she sits there with a journal a, a fancy pants notebook that some mom on an etsy shop like personally does the papering and all this stuff and my wife loves it and she has her little fancy like five dollar pen yeah. which is way too expensive and she just writes this stuff out every day and she's like i am learning so much about my faith yeah. i was like you study this at grad school <laughs> right right this is the thing is like going back to the sources and diving in deep and reading this stuff and like this is what renews our faith what if what if we just if the real key to this is that you and i start a new aristocracy where we start granting titles and lands go on yeah so like, like that aristocracy scottish like I would titles be, I, I would be like the king you know and then mm. i would i would be like comer i'm gonna make you a duke how would you like a dukedom mm. i like and a new a new aristocracy i i, I could be I, i've always wanted a duchy isn't that what you call it a duchy i don't know can i be an arch duchy no, you want to be no you're going to be the pretender to the crown <laughs> the recently deposed michael gormley yeah. long right. live the king yeah. no i i i completely agree with you and i think um there is like some people who have like the opinion of like well i know what i need to know and and i and I, i'm not going to go any further and it's it just like christ is not an easy thing to understand. And I think like, especially yeah. for Catholicism, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's the kind of thing, like you got to put a little work into it. It's not, it's not easy, right? It's not the, it's not the most simple explanation of things, but it's true and good. And, um, and it can be prayerful, right? You can do theology on your knees. And, uh, and, and I, and I think, for me, it's been very fruitful, you know, to to do this Don Prosper Granger every day. I, I basically added it into my daily devotions, mm. and I love it. I I mean, he, I like, I want to buy it for every priest I know so that they can use it for preaching. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, that's awesome. And that honestly, like, we talk about the renewal of the church, but you can't love that which you do not know. Right. And so, to know Christ Jesus, this is eternal life that you know God. And Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. And to know Christ Jesus, what greater gift could there be? And the only greater gift is to not only know him, but to love him, right? To love that which is the perfect and absolute lover of your own soul, who made all the first moves in this relationship, right? Right. And to not know what that means. Like, what, you know, people always joke around. I just had a birthday party because now I'm 41 and no big deal. And uh, last it's night, it's not this a guy big was, deal at all. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, you don't turn 41 twice. Uh, the uh, buddy of mine said, uh, hey, I thought, you know, we were grilling burgers and stuff. And he's like, I thought we were all just going to sit around and like drink absinthe and talk about atonement theologies and uh, as a joke. But it was it was really in reading and discussing the different theologies of atonement that different church fathers have had and different, you know, the satisfaction theory and all that stuff that like you see the depth of Christ's love. Like you can look, Oh, yeah. it's like a prism. There are so many different angles to look at this, at the one sacrifice of Christ, the self offering of love to the father. And right. you know, the, yeah, it, it, it's just tremendously beautiful. And yeah. every new thing Frank sheet says that I didn't realize I stole from him. Uh, every new thing we learn about him is another reason to love him. I know. I know he, he is. I've been, I've been rereading a bunch of sheet too. So we're, 
twinsies. Twins. Twins. Um, Sheen and Sheed. That's all a Catholic needs. Sheen and Sheed? Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not all. Uh, Close enough, though. (laughs) Is it just me, or is it really difficult to like St. Therese of Lisieux? Is that just me? Like, every time I read Story of a Soul, I'm like, ugh. I also also (laughs) don't like it, but I think we're the ones who are wrong. Ah, dang it. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean... Have I ever told you my story about about when she came to Dallas, you know, when her reliquary? Oh, uh-uh. her body. So, yeah. So I was really excited and I convinced my mom to let me stay home from school so I could go see it. And she was and my mom was like, I'll let you stay home, but you have to go with someone. So you have to ask someone else in your class to stay home from school, too. And so I thought of the only kid who would like desperately want to not be at school. And so like he was like always in trouble and stuff like that. He's one of my best yeah. friends. Nice. So so we went, right? And we got there late and it this is the first time her body like went around the world. You I know, mean, it was a big deal. And it was in Carmel and like Arlington and and uh the line was like 4 miles long. Like it was like the cars were like backed up like crazy. And I remember being like, "Oh no, we're not we're not going to get to see her." You know, like I took a day off of school. I'm so excited, you know. And he's like, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> he was such a troublemaker. He just pulled over and drove on the side of like the freeway like for like three miles. Like in the shoulder? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and only he would have done that. And and I remember, so we get there and we're like, well, what are we going to do? Like the line is still like really long. We can't get into this line to park and everything. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. So he like drives up a one-way street, which is the exit. And we go to the back of this convent, right? And it says, there's a sign that's like, press entrance. entrance." And I'm like, we can't do this. Like, like we're going to get caught. Like, this, you know, I'm like such a sheltered, like little, like worry wart, right? And he's like, don't worry about it. Just act like you know what you're doing, right? Yeah, so, it's all a confidence game. So, yeah. So, we walk in. He, this is not a, this is not an exaggeration, not a joke. He grabs two press badges. He tries one door. And it happens to be the door where her body was displayed. He walks right through the door, grabs my hand. We walk right through the door. We walk right up to the casket. We sit down on the opposite side of everyone who's lined up. And we have like 20 minutes to pray. Okay. So I'm thinking like, is this even going to count like to help my soul? Because we just like disenfranchised all these people in line. (laughs) So we leave and... They had these beautiful roses, like adorning this thing, you know, just absolutely gorgeous, you know, and we leave and I was like, oh man, I really wanted to get something like a, like a holy card or something like that, or like a a memento, you know, to touch to her, her, uh, you know, casket like that I could keep at home. And he like opens up his jacket and he's like, how about this? And he pulls out one of the roses. He had stolen a rose <laughs> from it. I still have it to this day. But oh. I remember thinking like I, this never would have happened if I had brought like a pious friend. But this guy, he just was like, yeah, I'll. I'll. You'd still be in line by the time they shut right. it down. Right. Oh, anyway. that is funny. That is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I don't think I have any story like that because all of my friend are sh- friends are sheeple. We uh, okay. mindlessly wow. obey every rule in law. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> hurtful, but okay, we'll go on. We'll move on. Well, if the uh, wool fits, 
If the wolf, Get it, if the wolf fits, it's a sheep joke. Don't Stop. get to make a lot of those. This is terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. Every knee shall bow. You're home of Catholic <laughs> sheep jokes. I'm Mike Gomer Gormley. Uh, well, I'm so happy to be back. And, yeah. you know, I, I really, truly do yeah. want to just thank everyone for the prayers and the cards and the support and just um, like I, I'm not good at accepting things like that. Um, so, uh, have mercy on me, but, uh, I, but you were aggressive and, um, <laughs> you know, broke down the walls. So I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And I, I appreciate all of it and appreciate you doing the season on your own Gomer and appreciate Ascension press, especially for always yeah. allowing us to send them episodes for editing 24 <laughs> hours before they were due <laughs> or before they get, yeah. go live. Yeah, the um, they've been so awesome this whole time because um, there'd be a couple weeks where I just couldn't make it happen, especially when I was wrapping up my job. I thought it would be like, well, Gormley, you have nothing to do. And it's like, well, right. Gormley, all like the things Scott you need to do office. to set people up for success you have to do right now. So, um, yeah, it just ended up this season was interesting, you know, and I'm but I'm more than happy to uh, have you back and uh, to do another season with you, bud. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a crazy topic. So you are in our <laughs> prayers. You are in our prayers all the time. And thank you so much for listening. God bless. God bless. <laughs>